Hi, and welcome into the Russell Street Report here on Fanimal Radio. I'm Tony Lombardi. The Ravens fall to the Los Angeles Chargers 23-17, to a game that was difficult to watch for the first 51 minutes, during which the mighty Ravens offense could muster up only 50 net yards. 50 net yards. This is a game that from Jump Street was bumbled by offensive coordinator Marty Morningweg. Don't get me wrong, Lamar Jackson was terrible during those first 51 minutes, but for all intents and purposes, Marty equipped Lamar with a butter knife during a gunfight. For 58 of the Ravens' 59 offensive plays, the Chargers were in quarters alignment with seven defensive backs on the field. Now you would think that the Ravens might counter that with size. Not Marty. He sent his big bruising tight ends onto the field even less than usual. Nick Boyle had just 18 snaps, while Max Williams had 17. A head-scratcher for sure. The loss marked the first time in John Harbaugh's seven postseason appearances that the Ravens did not win at least one playoff game. The Ravens are now 3-3 three three in home playoff games, 2-1 and one under Harbaugh. The Ravens' defense allowed just 243 yards. That's the second fewest by Los Angeles this season. The fewest total for the Chargers, of course, took place back at the StubHub Center on December 22nd when the Ravens defeated L.A. 22-10. Prior to Sunday's loss, the Ravens were 6-0 all-time when permitting fewer than 250 yards in a playoff game, and they were 6-0 in 2018 during the regular season when accomplishing the same feat. Coming into the game, we heard repeatedly that the Chargers would benefit greatly having just played against Lamar Jackson two weeks ago. Now, I opined during that week that such talk discounted the Ravens coaching staff's ability to adjust as well. Well, guess what? They didn't adjust. Not one iota. Now, that's just either flat-out ignorance or arrogance. It suggests stop us if you can. And guess what? The Chargers did. Here's what Chargers head coach Anthony Lynn had to say following the game. And I quote, the more times you see that offense, the better you're going to be against it. I used to run that offense, and I remember we started off really fast, but once people got enough tape on us, they could catch up. And I think that's what happened today. We saw enough. And here was this revelation by the beat writer for The Athletic. His name's Sam Fortier. He covers the Chargers. And this just blew my mind. Fortier discovered that defensive coordinator Gus Bradley and his staff picked up some Ravens' offensive tendencies. The tendencies were installed as keys for the Chargers' defenders, and obviously it worked. The first tendency has to do with Ronnie Stanley. Now, what the Chargers discovered with Gus Bradley's guidance is that Ronnie Stanley, when the Ravens are running a running play, he's square to the line of scrimmage. When they're throwing the football, his left foot is back to get him in position for his backdrop. A clear key, and they said he did it 100% of the time. The second key was when the Ravens are in the pistol formation and they have a tight end that goes in motion. When that tight end stops behind the other tight end that's lined up on the line of scrimmage, it's almost always either a counter or a cut belly run, one of two plays. So if you can simplify your defense Running off those two keys, it makes it a lot easier to be successful against an offense that changed nothing per the Chargers' admission. As we know, the future for the Baltimore Ravens is Lamar Jackson. 
They've made that perfectly clear. Maybe it's time to let Greg Roman take over play calling duties. After all, he was the brains behind the 49ers' impressive run with Colin Kaepernick. Marty Ball, it looks like it's hit the wall. We'll take a 30-second break. When we come back, we'll be joined by Brian McFarlane from Russell Street Report. Don't go away. Why PMI? I get asked that question all the time, and I love answering it. I've been leading this team for 16 years, and PMI has been and remains an industry leader. We get all the support of an industry leader national company while managing our loan flow locally. Our realtor partners and our customers get a team committed to customer service. They also get a team that knows our local markets. We closed 2,300 loans last year, and the future looks very, very bright. We love telling our story and would love to help you with your next transaction. Reach out to me or anyone on my team anytime. We'd love to help. Hi, and welcome back to the Russell Street Report here on Fanimal Radio. I'm Tony Lombardi. Joining us now on the Mobile One Hotline, he's our resident capologist. He's Brian McFarland. Brian, welcome into the program. How are you? Good afternoon. How are you doing? How are you doing today? I'm good, Brian. Tough game to swallow after Sunday. Yeah, tell me about it. Uh, that was that was uh, that was an ugly performance in the first half slash three quarters. What was it? I think 51 minutes of game time. The Ravens had 50 net yards, three first downs. That's crazy. Yeah, it was. It was not fun to sit through. That fans weren't happy. That's for sure. <laughs> Now, you were at the game. Talk about the response of the crowd to Lamar coming back out there in the fourth quarter. And, and, and from a fan perspective, do you think that that was really directed towards him solely? Or was that just complete frustration with the whole offensive game plan? I mean, I think it was, a, I, th- I guess, person to person. It probably was both. Um, I, there were certainly we want Joe cheers or a chance. So obviously that I mean, that's got to be directed at Lamar <laughs> to more than anything. Um, I I wasn't real thrilled with it. I thought it was pretty uh, pretty distasteful. But you know, people pay their money, and I guess they have a right to say what they want. But I don't think it really helps your team out much either. But uh, but they it was certainly an ugly performance. So I sort of, I mean, to an extent I do get the I certainly get the frustration, no doubt. Yeah, I think it's partly to do with. The kind of society we live in today, Brian, it seems to be we want it here and now. We want it yesterday. We want immediacy to everything. And I think that what the Ravens were doing, when they were taking a big picture look at this from Lamar's perspective, he's our guy. He's the guy that's going to be taking the team going forward. And to pull him out in what I thought was a big learning experience for him. And we don't even know what would have happened had Joe gone in the game because the Chargers defensive line was destroying the Ravens offensive line but from your perspective do you think did you want to see Joe go in the game oh no not absolutely not I don't I don't see any uh and I agree with you I don't think it would have changed things but I don't it doesn't make any sense to me when you're you're replacing your quarterback of the future with a guy you're going to cut or trade in two months Uh, that 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 just doesn't make any sense to me so um you're right that he got you there they wouldn't have gotten there without him it was a bad performance, but he was 20, he's 21, the youngest, I think he was the youngest starter ever in a playoff game. So as a quarterback, so yeah, I, it did, you know, I know I, it was funny cause my, my crowd has a bunch of different, uh, my gang has a bunch of different opinions, but everybody was pretty solid on that in, on this one, that there was no reason to take him out. So, which uh, I thought was interesting given all the booze and other things from a ton of other people. You mentioned cutting and trading and, John Harbaugh left no mistake about it that 
they were going to be parting ways or are going to be parting ways with Joe Flacco following this season and when the new season begins. What do you think Joe's worth in a trade market? And I'll, I'll uh, table or I'll, I'll preface that by saying that Teddy Bridgewater was worth a third round pick to the New Orleans Saints. And Alex Smith, he was able to garnish a, a third round pick and Kendall Fuller from the Washington Redskins. Relatively speaking, where does Joe fit in? Yeah, I, I, I have trouble figuring that one out because I can look at each of those different. Teddy Bridgewater was way younger. Granted, he was coming off of a major injury. Call from 410-653-6180. Okay. We, we have came back. Te technical issues today. But go ahead, Brian. Right. I'm sorry about that. All right. So, uh, yeah, so, I mean, Bridgewater was younger, albeit coming off an injury. Alex Smith was coming off uh, actually several good years in a row. Uh, compared to Joe coming off of what, however many so-so years, uh, he looked great at the beginning of this year, but obviously that changed. So, I mean, if they get a third for him, I, I think they'd be ecstatic. I, I, that, that'd be my opinion, but um, I, I don't, I don't think he's going to be. Uh, you know, fans out there, oh, he's a Super Bowl winning quarterback, so it means he's a first. You get a first round pick for him. I, I don't see that happening. Um, his contract, actually, from his contract standpoint, if he's if you're bringing him in to be a bridge quarterback. Uh, his contract's not that bad, uh, and and you're obviously there's no, um, you know, you're getting no uh, uh, future issues, cap issues. You can cut him, and there's you know, so from that standpoint, it's not a bad contract. So um, I don't think that's too much of a hindrance. It's 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 heavy, but if he's going to be a starter, it's you're paying him cash for what a starter's worth. So um, so I, like I said, if they get a third, uh, that would be awesome. I'm not sure they get a third, but if and somehow they get more, hey, there's always a dumb team out there. So, you know, hopefully they find one of them. There's a bit of a sadness about it, though, because it's the end of an era. It's an era that brought a lot of playoff football to Baltimore, and it brought a, a Super Bowl championship. And Joe had that MVP and, and an immaculate uh, run through the playoffs. So yeah, just from a fan perspective and, and saying goodbye, what are your feelings on that? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I've I've always been a Flacco fan. Um, I never understood why he, he caught so much grief at times. I mean, I know he he certainly underperformed, and that's part of the problem. Is you when you when when they make you the highest paid, it didn't last. But when they make you the highest paid quarterback uh, in history, then you got to live up to that contract. And you know, excuses are excuses, but and some are legit, some not, but. Um, so yeah, but I mean, he brought stability to the quarterback position that had never existed for the prior, what, 10, you know, 10, 10, 11 years. So, um, absolutely. And, you know, the Harbaugh's the same way if we, you know, because the two of them together have been, you know, from day one and, uh, it's been, you know, the best extent, at least before the, the last couple of years was the best extended, uh, success they had had. Yeah, let's face it, they've been together for almost 50% of the franchise's existence. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So that's pretty significant. Now, dial it back. I know one of the things that I've always admired about Joe is his toughness and his ability to stay on the field. That's been challenged over the last couple of years. But talk a little bit about, had Joe gotten hurt, if he, was, if he did enter the game on Sunday and he had gotten hurt, Talk about the implications there. I know that there's not much, but I think there's some confusion amongst the fans that there might be some financial implications if Joe did get hurt. Yeah, I mean, the biggest implication there is what it does to his trade value, obviously, because if he's, you know, if it's a serious injury and he's not healthy by March or April or May, then you're probably, you're not going to be able to trade him and you're just going to have to cut him. And that's, 
you can cut him, though. I mean, I, you always hear you can't cut injured players, but that you can't cut an injured player in the season he's injured. So from OTAs on, uh, if he gets if a player gets hurt through the end of the year, you can't cut him without an injury settlement. But if it's if he's hurt in the prior year, you can cut him the following year. So for instance, I mean, you know, there are some guys in history. I mean, Jer- Jeremy Macklin just last year was one. Um, Kyle Arrington a couple years ago, Dominique Foxworth was another one. So, I mean, there, there've been plenty of guys in their history that they've done that with. So you're not, as long as he doesn't have any injury guaranteed money, it's not a problem. And Joe actually has no guaranteed money left in his deal. Um, so that wouldn't be a problem. There's only a minor financial implication. Uh, and that is that if he were not able to play, so if he blew his knee out or, you know, just, Tore the tore it to shreds and could not play at all next year. Then there is a what's called an injury protection benefit that's in the league CBA that would pay him um, 1.15 million. So it's certainly not much, but that would eat into that cap savings of the 10 and a half million cap savings. But um, it's not it's not it certainly wouldn't be the end of the world if they put him in and he got hurt. Other than the trade value, that would be the biggest issue. Eric DaCosta takes over for Ozzie Newsom heading into the 2019 season, which begins in March, as the league year does. And he's got a lot to look at on, on that roster organizationally. You know, maybe there's some coaching changes. Time will tell. But just from a, a quick blush, there's some big names on the Ravens roster that might not be around in 2019. He's got some big decisions to make. And it could start with Terrell Suggs, who sounds like he wants to play, Brian, but I'm not so sure he's a Raven next year. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one. And, uh, you, you know, you do wonder where, you know, Steve Bishotti, you know, the, plays in this. But, they, you know, they let Ed Reed go. And as, as great as Suggs has been, Ed Reed was more of a pillar of the franchise than Suggs. So, uh, and, you know, Houston way overpaid, um, really way overpaid for Reed and made the decision easy for the Ravens, I guess, if there was even an inkling to bring him back. But, um, you know, Suggs is going to be what thirty-seven during the year next year. October, I think. yes, um, next October. Yeah, so uh, you know, I don't know what kind of market there will be. Uh, if it takes one, you know, dumb team like it did with Houston and Reed, then he's gone. Um, but you know, if he comes back, I, I could I could see him not being a whole lot of interest. And if he still wants to play, you know, now if somebody's if the Ravens are just offering him two million a year, maybe he's like, I don't really need that. Uh, you know, that's not up to my standards. I'll just retire. But if they're the only ones offering $2 million a year or whatever it would be, um, you know, I think there's there could be a chance he comes back. But, um, you know, like I said, if they're going to let Ed Reed go, I don't think they'll have any trouble letting Suggs go as great as he is. Yeah, I don't have the numbers in front of me, Brian, but I think he only has one and a half sacks over the last eight games or something to that effect and, and not many tackles either. So he's been kind yeah. of insignificant. Yeah, and that's been the last couple started he starts he starts fast and then and then fades as the season goes on even though he's obviously been last couple years has kept himself in good shape but uh that's been his recent history so i yeah i don't know i mean obviously it's a question of how they feel they can replace him because i tell you he still sets the edge about as well as anybody um and he, he sniffs out screens better than anybody i've ever seen um but you know at some point you the, the roster's going to be getting younger, and I don't know if there's room for a 37-year-old. Yeah, I would agree with that. Now, there's another guy, another aging star on the team. He's been a multi-time pro bowler. His name's Eric Weddle. Yesterday, he talked in the locker room that 
He'd like to come back one more try with the Ravens, but if the, he's not in the Ravens' cards for 2019, he's going to retire. What do you think is going to happen with Weddle in 2019? Uh, I remember uh, Anquan Bolden saying if, if he wasn't going to return to the Ravens, he was going to retire. So, <laughs> um, you know, those kind, of, those kind of comments in the emotion of it, and I, it's understandable. But, um, you know, I don't know if um, Bolden wasn't. Um, I don't know if Weddle, you know, that kind of discussion or that kind of language or feelings would allow him to be willing to take a pay cut. I, you know, he's not the greatest safety anymore. He certainly wasn't what he was in his prime. Uh, but the, the defense definitely got better when he took over the green dot. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, he seems to be able to read offenses and move people around and move himself around to, uh, you know, to really help out the defense. So there's certainly... And, and he's obviously a great locker room guy. I mean, his defensive, um, you know, Lamar, I thought was really was well was well done. So, um, you know, he's got a six and a half million dollar salary. That would be the cap savings if he's not here. You know, would he be willing to take half of that, or would they have to put incentives in? I, they need to get away from using incentives because that's what you know. The earn them like this million dollars he got. He earned it, but so that's going to count against the cap next year. Um, so you, you want to stay, they, I would think as their cap begins to clear up better, I think they're going to want to try to stay away from that. But, uh, you know, so if he, if, and I don't know, it depends on what other moves they make, but if he's willing to take a straight pay cut from six and a half down to 4 million, is that, is that palatable enough for him and the Ravens to keep him around for that final year? We're speaking with Brian McFarlane with Russell Street Report on the Mobile One Hotline. Brian, you mentioned the green dot, and C.J. Mosley, prior to Eric Weddle, wore that green dot. C.J. Mosley's a free agent. You've got Suggs, who's iffy to come back, Weddle, who is iffy to come back, and C.J. Mosley, who's iffy to come back. That's a lot of leadership that could be leaving that defense. Absolutely. I mean, there's no question about that. And does that keep, does that keep you know, does that help keep Weddle around? Um, uh, and, and, and well, or Mosley, uh, Mosley's going to be way more expensive. And that's, you know, that's going to be an interesting, uh, you know, question. And then you've got other guys, uh, you know, Jimmy Smith is another guy that uh, at nine and a half million, I, he would, I would think he's the only way he stays is he takes a significant pay cut. Uh, but that, yeah, that's more veteran leadership. That's why I said earlier, I think this team's about to get a lot younger. Um, Jefferson can be a leader on that defense. I think Williams can be a leader. They're different types of leaders. Um, but, you know, I, so I think, and Brandon Carr, if he stays, because if Jimmy Smith goes, I don't think Carr goes. You know, I don't think they're going to send both of them out the door. Um, so, I mean, there's some veteran leadership. It's just different type of leadership. But Mosley is going to be interesting. I mean, you know, 14, 13, 14, 15 million for a middle linebacker. I don't know. I mean, Kenny Young, you know, early on showed well, and, and certainly uh, Owasso looked awesome, you know, these last couple of weeks. So can they survive? You know, you always talk about uh, Bashadi's 80-20 rule. Well, I mean, that's that's like if, 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 if it's those two guys versus uh, uh, it's probably like 95-5. Right. And maybe more when you're talking about 13 to 15 million a year. So uh, that's going to be a tough call for them. And, I, you know, we don't know where the cost if it's if it's Ozzy, he's an Alabama guy. They probably try to do everything they can to keep him. But uh, I don't know on that one. That's going to be interesting. Yeah, it's going to be a tough call for them. And, and Alabama got waxed last night. I got to tell you, it brought a smile to my face. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's when those teams, uh, when they win it too much. And uh, I'll tell you, that quarterback for uh, Clemson, good Lord. 
Yeah, it's a good player. So shifting gears, but I want to talk a little bit about the draft that's coming up. The Ravens have, you know, traditionally you have seven picks, but they made a few trades over the last couple of years. Talk about those. Yeah, so they obviously the Lamar Jackson trade last year, they traded this year's uh, their uh, second round pick to Philly. So they don't have that one. Uh, they also back in 17. So two years ago, uh, right before training camp, when they had a bunch of injuries, the offensive line. They traded a seventh-round pick to Jacksonville for Luke Bowenko or whatever. That's right, he barely, he barely played, although it seemed like he actually played for the Skins a lot this year. I know they had a lot of injuries, so um, but I was surprised to see how many games he had played. Um, so, um, so they don't have their those, but they do have a sixth-round pick uh, for the trade for uh, Correa when they traded him. Uh, kind of the same kind of trade. They got a sixth uh, from Tennessee. So. They have technically they have six picks at this point. Uh, they will get a comp uh, pick for uh, Ryan Jensen, um, the the one guy at, uh, at OverTheCap.com who, who's really good at this stuff has him as a third round pick right now. Um, but of course he had um, uh, who who did we lose last year? Went to Detroit. Uh, the the right tackle. Uh, um, uh, Wagner. Wagner, right. He had Wagner as the third all along, but then Wagner got hurt at the end of the year, right. and it dropped him to a fourth. But he does have him in, in as the last of the third-round picks, which means, and, and, and the guy, Nick, who's really good at this stuff, but he acknowledges that the, the lines of where, the line between the third and the fourth and the fourth and the fifth and so forth, he's like, that's the toughest thing to figure out. Um, so he's right on that line. Hopefully he stays a third. Worst case, it'll be a fourth, but it's not going to be because last year when when Wagner dropped to a fourth, he got um, at that point, then he got um, canceled out. There's nobody to cancel Wagner out. I mean, um, uh, Jensen out. So it'll be a third or a fourth there. So they're going to have seven picks. Okay. so the offseason is now upon us, Brian. Looking at 2019, what's next for you on Russell Street Report? Well, we're going to um, uh, hopefully later this week, early next week, I'll be putting out sort of the calendar article that has a lot of information in it uh, that will um, that will show that, you know, the dates that are coming up when players need to be franchised and when you have to uh, be under the cap and then when the restricted free agents have to be tendered and when, you know, when the deadline for, um, you know, for teams making offers against them or, or to them, I should say. Uh, so that'll be the next article. And then. Uh, certainly by early February, that's when my updated, and I did one back at the bye week, but the updated off-season preview will come up with all the players under contract and all the, I mean, some of this, obviously I've already put a lot of this out, but you know, what it costs to cut this guy or that guy and, and the like. So, uh, so that, and then obviously as, as things happen, you know, we'll, we'll keep you updated. The free agency and the draft, and then, then we go into OTAs. It'll be here before you know it. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. It, it, I think we're already looking more forward to them than Orioles opening day. <laughs> no doubt. So there he is, Brian McFarlane from Russell Street Report. Thanks for joining us, Brian. All righty, thanks. All right, we're going to take a quick break here on the Russell Street Report. When we come back, we'll be wrapping up the show. Thanks for joining. Like 33rd Street was to Colt fans, Russell Street will become legendary for future generations of Raven fans. Not only is Russell Street the team's address on Sunday, it's now home to the website voted Baltimore's best five years in a row. You've known them as Ravens247.com for years, and now you'll love them as RussellStreetReport.com for many more. There's nothing else like it for Baltimore football fans. Trust me. 
RussellStreetReport.com. Baltimore's home for football 24-7. Welcome back to the Russell Street Report here on Fanimal Radio. I'm Tony Lombardi. You know, one of the things that personal hang-up of mine that I have with local news is that it so often dwells on bad stories, on negative things. There's not enough positivity in the world. And so we're inviting you to share your positivity stories with us because we'd like to end each one of our shows going forward with something positive in the Baltimore community. And to get things started, I'll share one with you that was sent to me by email several years ago when I first started Russell Street Report, which was then Ravens 24-7. And it goes like this. There was a father and a son who were estranged, and they were estranged over some little fight that they had at some family gathering that just seemed to get worse over time. And both of them dug their heels in, and neither would apologize to the other for this little fight that became a family feud, and it really divided a family. And then the, Bal the Cleveland Browns said that they were going to be coming to Baltimore, and upon hearing that news, the son decided to do something about this feud. And what he did was he bought two season tickets, two PSLs to the Ravens games. He sent one to his dad and he kept one to himself. Now, the very first game that he went to, they still had not spoken. Still, his dad never even acknowledged that he received those tickets. So the son goes to the game and he doesn't see his dad and he waits and he waits and suddenly he sees a familiar face starting to climb the upper deck at Old Memorial Stadium. It was his dad and his dad sat next to him and the rest is history. The family was back together again, and they were father and son that, like they had been before that stupid little feud that just divided the family for a number of years. So the Baltimore Ravens have brought a lot of friendships together, and that's one good story that they have brought together. But we want your stories. We want to hear about them, whether they have to do with the Ravens, the Orioles, or anything sports-related, or it doesn't even have to be sports-related. We just want to be the bearer of good news here on the Russell Street Report, heard on Fanimal Radio. So that's our show for today, folks. We thank you for joining in. Special thanks go out to Brian McFarland from Russell Street Report. Check out all of his work on Russell Street Report. Does a great job with the Ravens' salary cap. And as the new season creeps closer, you're going to be wanting to find out more about that information. So thanks again for joining. Please subscribe to Fanimal Radio on iTunes and YouTube. And of course, check out our work on Russell Street Report and Utah Street Report. You can also follow us on Twitter at any of these Twitter handles. Next week, we will begin to turn our attention towards the offseason, and that means free agent discussions, more cap conversations, and, of course, the 2019 NFL Draft. We'll also touch down on the divisional play this coming weekend when I'll be rooting for the team formerly known as the San Diego Superchargers. Until next time, thanks again for joining us here on the Russell Street Report on Fanimal Radio. I'm Tony Lombardi. Have a great rest of your week.